Hey, everybody. We love that you're getting some value from this show. Because we are a do-it-yourself podcast, we would ask that you help spread our message so that we can join together and connect with as many people as possible. Thank you so much for your support. And remember, you are the most important part of the show. We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. Welcome to the other side of Hell Podcast. Let's try it again. <laughs> Uh, it's only the, we gotta get the wieners out. It's only when I when I fucking host. Maybe we should pull our wieners out. Okay, in three. What's up, world? I'm Willie, and I'm Willie, and I'm Cameron, and I am also Cameron. <laughs> Welcome to the other side of hell podcast. Hey, what's up, Willie? How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, back I, at it. I'm not really. I'm 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 feeling a little unconfident today yeah don't i'm confident we'll get through this and and the reason that i am is because it's been proven time and time again that we will get through this and Mm. enjoy it and you know we got a great episode ahead of us and it's good to be back it's good to be in the studio yeah i like it here feeling good feeling like it feels uh, like it's been a second it hasn't i know (laughs) it's always the same amount of time but i always say that yeah well I, I love you, and I'm glad that you're here with me. And I'm, I'm I'm at a new level of appreciation for what we're doing here. So I like that. Yeah, it's good to be here. And it's funny that you mentioned confidence because I, I that did, is our topic. I did what you what you always do. I know. I like it. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. You know? Really? I'm, no. I'm 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 fairly I hate it when you do it. I'm fairly confident in who I am today, and so like being able. It, but it took work. Yeah. Being able to like have some little nuances and quirks and things that are mine, you know, mm-hmm. and even though not everybody's gonna always agree with what those are, I'm, I'm grateful to have them. Yeah, and yeah, I'm grateful to be able to have some things to work on as well, and have the ability to see that there's some stuff that needs to be worked on. But confidence is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big deal. Um, it's I think it's needed in order to have any type of, of growth, self improvement. Um, any, any type of positive change, you got to be confident that what you're doing is the right thing and that you're going to be able to pull it off and that mm-hmm. you're going to be able to get the help you need and do what it takes to make those changes happen. So, Well, and it comes from all that too, right? Like the more, the more work we do on ourselves, the more confident we become. And so like we're better yeah. equipped to go into the next thing. And, you know, it, it's sort of, it, it's hard to know what comes first. Like in, in my experience, like with, with, what I've noticed in my own life and my own program is that, uh, you know, I wasn't confident, but I did it anyways. I would, mm-hmm. I would do things anyways, right? Like even, even though I wasn't confident in my ability or my skill, I was, what I, what I did have was faith that, you know, somebody else had told me what to do and it worked for them. And I had faith that if I did what they told me to do, that, that I would get the results I was after mm-hmm. and doing so. And then, getting those results thus made me confident yeah right 
one builds off the other, builds off the other. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so then I was able to go into the next thing, feeling a little bit more confident that that process works. Yeah. And knowing, you know, enough about myself to know that I have the ability to follow through with with those actions, you know, based on the guidance of somebody else or, or you know, the advice of somebody else. Yeah. And so, yeah, huh. confidence is, uh, it's, it's, it's tricky for me. I feel like I'm, I'm 90% confident, you know, like, and, and that takes a lot of work. You seem 90% confident. Yeah. But there, you know, sometimes that 10% will be 20 or 30 <laughs> depending on the day. The heavy know? 10% sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, confidence, you know, it's, it's so tricky because I feel like it really can change from day to day. Yeah. For sure. I'm even not, even on things that you that you did yesterday. Right. Yeah. And it's it's so funny to me because I, I think I've gotten to a point now where I can recognize that and I'm just like, I I don't know why. There's maybe no reason. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but for whatever reason today I'm feeling very insecure mm-hmm. and like I know it will pass and you know, like this is just the space that I'm in and it doesn't mean that the world's ending or that I'm failing. Or that, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough. It just means that, you know, like I'm just having an insecure moment. Whatever. It will pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think it builds upon off of where I used to get my confidence from. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it used to be, you know, to touch on it a little bit, you know, I used to I don't know that I ever had true confidence in myself before because I started finding confidence from the bottle so young. Sure. You know, and confidence from, um, I didn't even really quite understand what confidence was. It was just kind of like, I saw people like my older brother and his friends and they would do these amazing things and they just seemed like they knew how to do these things. You know, I didn't, I I didn't know that it took some willingness and some practice and some failures and, and some belief in themselves to be able to like my brother, for example, being able to ride a wheelie on a bicycle like 900 miles, it, you know, straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always like, but I never gained the confidence in myself to be able to do that because when I would try it, I would fall over. And so when I found drugs and alcohol, the self-esteem, the, the lack of confidence that I had in myself seemed to dissipate and my willingness to try things that seemed hard while intoxicated grew, mm-hmm. but it built a, a sense of, of, um, false confidence because as soon as I wasn't intoxicated anymore, right. The confidence would go out the window, you know, right. like, like building upon like relationships. I, I fucking could not talk to people. I had oh, such man. a low opinion of myself mm-hmm. um and and i had a lot of support you know i think i didn't have like people just daily beating me down but i did my i, I beat myself down and so i would get intoxicated i would get the confidence to talk to the girl mm-hmm. the intoxication would wear off i would feel worse than before i talked to the girl like then all the embarrassment would come in you know i just know that i'm going to be rejected now oh yeah and and thus creating less confidence, less mm-hmm. self-esteem, you know, more alcoholism. Well, right. let's, let's cure it with more. I need, yep. I need more confidence. So I need more booze. And, um, 
you know, it's it's such a weird pattern of, of growth and destruction, growth and destruction, especially in active addiction, mm-hmm. you know. And so I had to get to a point where I'm able to build real confidence in my life the way that we are today. Yeah. You know, that thing that you're talking about, 90% mm-hmm. confident. So, yeah. you know, what you know, what are some of the things that you do now that... Well, it's funny because you took, like, as you were talking, like, I was just sort of remembering, like, you know, being back in the day where it's like, I, I, I definitely was somebody that felt, you know, more confident with a drink, you know, uh-huh. or, or a shot or two in me. But the, the flip side of that was like, I would find myself in these situations and it, and it does seem like it, it it has to do with relationships quite a bit, right? Uh-huh. Like, because there's no, there's, I, we probably hear it all the time. Like there's no other moment where you really, really need that confidence than with your, when, with your, when you're interacting with other individuals, whether it be like, you know, somebody that you're interested in romantically or somebody that you're, you know, interested in, in a friendship with, or, you know, maintaining or establishing a relationship with a business partner or whatever the case is like you, it's important to have confidence in those instances. And eventually like what it, what it got to be for me was that, you know, I had to be intoxicated, uh, you know, uh, upon entering into or introducing myself to those relationships. And there was two reasons behind it. One was that obviously like if I'm a little bit lubricated, then I'm more apt to just be relaxed and maybe be myself, or at least this is what my thinking was. Right. Mm -hmm. The second reason was, is that if I was rejected, which was like the concern, if I was rejected, it wouldn't hurt because I was intoxicated, Yeah, you know, and well, if I get rejected, then I'll just have another drink, you know, like, so it was, it was the, uh, the solution and it was also the, the cure in the instance that, you know, I was to, to exit that interaction somewhat damaged, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, as far as like what I do now, like I, what I, what I find to be, what I find to be one of the biggest things in order to, to maintain confidence now is just to keep doing the things that, that I know to be hard, the things that get me out of my comfort zone, like keep doing those things, even when I don't want to do them. Mm -hmm. Like that seems to be the tricky thing because I have moments with with everything where I really am into it. I'm super motivated. Like, I love this. This is great. And then obviously I have days where that's not the case. Like I just am not interested. Like, and, and it goes back to, you know, the same thing where I just have some days where I'm insecure and some days where I'm fully, you know, I just love myself. Well, it's like, I'm going to have just those days for whatever reason, where I feel a different emotion towards whatever is in front of me than others like that's just the way that my life is you know Mm -hmm. and so if I have those moments where I just really really don't want to do something and I do it anyways I leave that situation feeling more confident despite of what it is like 
you know, it can be a meeting, it can be a workout, it can be a family event, it can be, you know, anything, because I'm really, really good at talking myself out of doing things that I've committed to. Right. And if I'm able to push through that and do it despite that, then I find that I will feel much better about myself after that. So having follow through in those commitments definitely is is the cornerstone of, of confidence building for me. Yeah. And I, you know, it doesn't seem like it. I, I, I don't think maybe, maybe our listeners and viewers can, can see it, but, um, like I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a naturally confident person. Mm-hmm. And so coming in on the podcast, like I have to be there, there's a, there's a priming that I have to do in order to sit here and, and talk openly about these things with you and with the people that are listening and, and, and watching, because initially when I, before I start the show, the voice of doubt starts creeping in for me, you know, who are you to be on this platform talking about things when you struggle with self-esteem, who are you, you know, and it's just like you were saying, when, when I do it anyway, right, when I, when I push through the hard things, then that gives me evidence that I am able to do these things. And, and I need that because if I don't do something that makes me uncomfortable on a daily basis, which we're learning is really a huge part of what builds our serenity, our purpose, our, our, our joy, you know, are doing these, these hard things daily, if I don't do those things, I've learned from past experiences of avoiding those things that that creates a lot of pain inside of me. And when I'm living in pain, people's lives seem to be less fulfilled around me. And when their lives are less fulfilled, my life is less fulfilled. And it just becomes this dark circle of negativity around me. And I don't like that. And so confidence for me is an action thing. You know, confidence is action. It's not necessarily how I feel because it runs so parallel with fear and, and everything, you know, like so much of the stuff that I do being a business owner and being a father and being a podcaster and and somebody that has a platform to talk about my opinion and how I get through this stuff, you know, being in, in that position, I have to, I have to be able to, um, trust in myself to say the next right thing based in my action. And so I move forward in action, right? I take what I'm saying here out there and I apply it inside of my own life mm-hmm. all the time so that when I come in here at this place where, to be honest, is one of the, the most uncomfortable places I'm at sometimes. Sure. You oh, know, yeah. Up here. Mm-hmm. You know, am I saying the right shit? Am I staying on point? Is, is what I'm saying making sense? Is anybody going to understand me? You know, am I going to upset Cameron? Is Jordan going to stick around? You know, like all these all these things start going through my head. And, and then I have to go back to what does the evidence say? Right. The evidence says that regardless of how much fear I'm feeling, if I step through the fear and go to the action anyway, the confidence is going to build. And as the confidence builds, then the evidence that I can get through these things mounts and I can start putting together this, this proof to myself mm-hmm. and show myself that, look, you're on the right path. You're mm-hmm. doing the right thing. You know, 
when I first started in construction, everything was a mess. Like, I didn't know how to read plans. I didn't know how to bid jobs or any, any of that stuff, you know, but I had to step through as if I, I, I had to step through my fears as if I believed I could learn it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so confidence, self-esteem, fear, all those things just run so parallel and, and confidence becomes a way of life. Right. From the moment I open my eyes to the moment I go to bed and reflect, I open my eyes and I have to step into the confidence that I am going to be the highest version of myself today. And because we have a written plan, you know, a vision for us, uh, because we have a destination for our lives, knowing that I'm going to fail throughout the day in certain places doesn't make me a failure. Mm. And it doesn't have to take away from my belief in myself that I can get the next right thing done. Right. And so I wake up and go immediately into a state of confidence, because if I don't, I will go into immediate state of fear. Mm. Right. And I know that because I've experimented with my life in sobriety. Everything that I've learned about myself, I've taken time and really focused on like, how does this make me feel? How does this action make me feel? Pay attention to me at this point. And so confidence is definitely a moment by moment, situation by situation, action that is taken Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. so that I don't know, I'm not living in fear. Right, right. (laughs) Well, and, and to that point, when you talk about that, like it, it really sort of builds on the idea that what what is the opposite of of confidence well it's you know this sort of belief or uh, in my case anyways like it's generally when i believe something to be true that is not true so like you said fear right like Mm -hmm. i'm usually fearful like just take for example like say i'm at work or i'm working and somebody presents me with a project Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm not familiar with that I that I've never done before, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously this happens. It happens to you. It happens to me. It's going to happen to everybody, right? All the time. Yeah, and and it's easy for me to assume that I don't know how to do this, so I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> and, of course, I'm gonna. Yeah, exactly. Like and like when when that happens, the the people that have given me this project will see that I'm a fraud. And, and then, you know, the imposter syndrome will, will kick in and, and start going off. And, and then they'll see that I'm a frightened little boy. Mm-hmm. They'll fire me and I will lose my security and I will lose the comfort that comes from the security and I will then die. <laughs> die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then I'll die. Yeah. And, and, and really like that's, that's where, that's where those assumptions will lead me. And, and in my mind, like, I'm, I'm pretty good now at recognizing, like, what is true? Like, what do I know to be true? Well, I know, like, I know in that instance that I've been giving something that I don't know how to do yet. Mm-hmm. I also know that I have the ability to learn and that if I ask questions and take it upon myself to find out what it is I need to do to learn how to do this, then I will likely 
come away from this situation having gained knowledge and experience in how to move forward and better be a better employee in that regard right. you know like that's what i know to be true right but like that's not my natural inclination like my natural inclination is generally the opposite you know so i have to oftentimes i have to go through this process of okay well i've been in this situation before and somebody has given me something that i i've not known how to do and this is what i did in that instance and look at how it worked out mm -hmm. you know so i'm probably not going to die <laughs> and i you know like everything will be okay yeah. you know but it is a process you know and the more and more that i go through that process the better i get at just naturally sort of reacting in that way but it it is it is something that i've had to learn it's something that i've had to put work into it's something that that for me is not generally where my mind wants to go first mm -hmm. you know um because for whatever reason and i and i like to I, you know kind of want to discuss that too because for whatever reason, like I just have a low opinion of myself, you know, and I try to, I've, I've tried to maybe go back and, and really like determine like what, where did this, you know, sense of self-worth come from? Like yeah. that, that, you know, there's this, there's this part of me that just feels as though I, I have nothing to offer anybody, mm -hmm. you know, like where did that come from? And, you know, like through, through some work, like I've been able to sort of pinpoint a little bit, you know, like. I think that, you know, when I was a child, my, my father wasn't around like, um, as, as much as he could have been, you know, like right. he was there, but he wasn't there. And it made me feel as though, you know, like I had done something wrong and like, that must mean that there's something wrong with me. And so, you know, like go into all these different situations automatically thinking that I have something wrong with me because that's something that I picked up at such a young age, you know, so I have to go through this process of, well, that's not true. There is nothing wrong with me. And, you know, and really apply that to my actions from that point forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's just like anything else we talk about on this show. Like it's a process, it takes work and it takes really, really diving deep into, you know, where we pick up these thinking patterns in order to make a change. And I mean, so that's been my experience with it up to this point. And, you know, like I said, it's 90, 10, sometimes yeah. it's a heavy 10, you know? <laughs> it's a heavy 10. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, confidence is, is interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am so grateful for the process that you and I have got to go through as far as getting to learn ourselves in that, in that format, you know, and being able to, to go back through our lives and, and really look at where did this behavior come from? You know, why do I have such a low self-esteem? You know, a lot of that stuff, you know, I can agree with, like it, it came from, you know, some, some opinions that were given to me by other people at a young age. But as I started getting older and I started recognizing, um, empathy, right? I had empathy and I would still do negative shit anyway. And so my behavior became a big determining factor on the opinion that I had of myself, you know, um, being so involved with drugs and alcohol and violence and selfishness for so long, um, I would do things in a selfish manner 
that separated me from you spiritually, that separated me from you emotionally. Like I knew that I couldn't trust me to not steal from you. So I'm not going to trust you to get close to me because once I reveal myself to you in that negative state, you will have to reject me. You have to not. It's not a question of whether you will or not. You have to, because I am unacceptable. I steal from my parents. I steal from my friends. I have sex with anybody that will have sex with me. I continually put negative shit into my mind and my body. I'm always using and drinking everywhere I go. I'm breaking the law. People are in danger. I'm violent. All these, all these negative things. And I know that they're negative at a deep level, right? I just don't have the confidence to change those things. I don't know that there's a different me inside of me Mm -hmm. until the pain becomes so great, right? The pain of being that person becomes so great that you get to a point where it's either die in that lifestyle or change. Now, now the confidence to change doesn't necessarily come right off the right, right out of the gate. Right. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily come the moment that it's realized inside of us that something needs to change. The confidence comes from the first 24 hours of sobriety. You know, wow, I made 24 hours honest, an honest 24 and that 24 turns into 48, you know, and we're starting to think what is going on with me, you know, and, and as we build upon whatever it is, we're trying to be sober from, you know, sobriety has turned into so much more than not drinking right? for, for us, you know, oh, yeah. sobriety has turned into not drinking, not using for me, not smoking, right? you know, not eating foods that aren't in my current macro count or diet, if you will, you know, I think diet's a great word. Not everybody does, but, um, you know, what's in my diet, what's in my, my media folder, you know, what am I looking at on social media? What are the things that I'm reading? You know, sobriety is emotional. It's, it's all these things. Um, you know, I got to have emotional sobriety, but I had to get clean off of drugs and alcohol first Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order to start getting clean off of Twinkies and pie. Right. I had to, right? The the thing of it was, was like, I got sober, I put down the pipe, and I picked up the fork. And so the behavior didn't change that much. And that made me feel fucking worse. Right. You know, putting on all that weight made me feel worse. But I had these little wins from sobriety that made me continue to ask the question. So keep asking the question, right? Why, if I'm doing the next right thing according to all these sources, right? From people like us that are, that are saying, I'm an alcoholic. My life is good today. And this is why, right? Which is what I'm saying. My life is good today because I found a level of confidence through action, through all these wins and failures over a period of time that put me in a place where I get to know myself really well. And when I get to know myself really well, I'm able to walk into a room confident, that what I am doing in that room is the right thing. And so everywhere I go has to be brought with the right intention behind it. Otherwise, I'm living in ego. And when I'm living in my ego, then I'm taking back my selfish desires and I'm going back to emotional in- intoxication, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, I start re-, re going back to the negative media. I start going back to the, the food, you know, eventually it's going to take me back to a drink. 
And so sobriety is where it all started, but that's not where it's at today. Like, like I got to have all those things, Mm -hmm. you know, I got to have all of that. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I demonstrate that is through a continual practice of self-discipline in all those areas. That's how we demonstrate our confidence. That's how I demonstrate my confidence today. I don't know everything. I don't have all the right answers. I don't do everything correctly, perfectly, you know, but I'm willing to try. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say try, I mean fucking really try. Not just, not just verbally. Like, I am willing to try to be a really good dad. Yeah. You know, I'm really willing to try to be a great boss and be transparent on the show and bring a good message and, and, and all those things. Confidence is a trip, man, because I don't want to get it fucked up. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on something that, you know, I think is worth talking about a little bit is, you know, you mentioned ego and, you know, where is the line between our ego and confidence? Like I've always sort of struggled with, and, and, and it seems like we've talked about this before too, is, you know, trying to, to be confident and humble, you know? (laughs) And Hard to be humble when you're the best. Right. Well, uh, hashtag most humble. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, where, where is the line between really sort of recognizing that, you know, I have the skills and ability to do this and or on the flip end being like, I have the skills and ability to do this because I'm the best, you mm-hmm. know, like and, and ain't nobody else better than me, you know, and. And it takes me back to those days when I was using and drinking and, you know, like I felt like I was getting confidence from all these horrible relationships I was in and obviously, you know, confidence from the drugs and and chemicals and and alcohol that I was putting into my system. Um, But really, like, I feel like those were just feeding my ego, right? Which Mm -hmm. for me, like, as we're talking about it, is this this false sense of confidence you know it it was never sustainable and and it wouldn't take long for me to totally just flip it right around and be like you know what like i'm 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 not the coolest i'm the worst i'm the worst you know what i mean yeah yeah so i i don't know like i i think confidence is tricky because we hear that you know the ego is bad and we hear that you know we don't want to live in the ego and and it seems to me like yeah, we, we don't want to live in the ego, but we definitely want to be confident. And we definitely want to, you know, remain humble as we as we do that. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it seems like motive takes yeah, intention. Right. Like what's what's our intention behind, you know, our our interaction with this individual? I want to be confident, but I don't want to be so overly confident that they need to know that I am better than them, mm-hmm. which, you know, in in my eyes is my ego, mm-hmm. you know. No, perfectly said. Yeah, I think I think that the difference between, you know, confidence and ego is intention. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One hundred percent. We were actually talking about that yesterday on a coaching call with my coach. That same thing came up. So I think it's appropriate that we're talking about it today, you know, and, and we talked about how, you know, there is a healthy use of the ego, if you will. You know, like it's 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 okay for me to be confident in in the belief in. I can change my life through action, you know, and 
I can help other people change their lives through my actions. You know, um, what is the intention that I'm trying to show? And so when we post on Instagram or we go and we share our story, you know, what are we trying to get out of it? Right. You know, am mm-hmm. I, so like when I go up to the hospital and I share, which I'm so lucky that I still get to do that at one place, you know, because the jail shut down, um, and it's down to once a month, I get to go into a treatment center and share my story. What is my intention behind going in there? You know, am I going in there to share my story and toot my horn and tell everybody how great I am right. and, and, and fill up that ego space? Or am I going in there to try to connect with other people in a way that somebody else may not be able to connect with them? Because I think that, I think that, um, people are ready for messages from, all different places. And that's what I love about what we're doing with this show. But when I go in there and I share a message with the intention of showing them how we are connected, not how we are different, Mm. then ego steps aside, confidence comes in and a clear message is shared. And then I get to leave with the benefit of the energy vibration, the energy exchange that comes along with other people feeling the message that I just shared and they, and, and then they come up to me and they're like, Oh, think, and you've done this, right? Like, like when you've shared your story, I got so much out of your story. Thank you so much. It gave me so much to think about, you know, I could really relate with this part of your story or that part of your story. And I get that from other people when they share their confidence, right. their, their stories and confidence mm-hmm. too. And so I, I love that, um, we're talking about the intention behind it because there's two types of people. Well, there's there's way more than that, but when it when it comes to when I think when it when it comes to um, to uh, owning your story, you know, which we've talked about on the show, when it comes to being confident in who you are today, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, my coach was talking about, and I love that he was talking about this, and I get so much out of it was. When, when you walk into a room, what is the vision you have of yourself, right? And he said a lot of people will walk into a room and they're going to play the failure reel of their life as soon as they walk into this room. They're going to walk in and they're going to think about every negative thing that they've ever done, right? that they just did, that they're about to do. And that's what is going to walk into the room with them. You know, and I've been that guy. Sure. Like I've been the guy that just came out of the bathroom from from watching porn, went over to the to the vending machine, grabbed a soda and a candy bar or three, ate both of those, walked into the room, feeling all that stuff that I didn't I didn't necessarily need to have, knowing that I was gonna go into that room and lie about the way I felt about myself, try to pull off this confidence facade mm. with the hope that it gets over fast enough for me to get out of there before Carl's Jr. closes and and go and feed myself some more because the only thing I have left is food and spice. You right. know, <laughs> like, yeah. like I've been that guy, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's that that version. And then there's the version where you walk in and you play your highlight reel. Right. I got sober. It's been almost nine years. Right. I lost 100 pounds. I have a strong vision for myself. My children love me. I'm not broke today. I'm not living in a camper. I'm not strung out. 
You know, I have all these wins stacked. I worked out today. Whatever, whatever that is for you personally, you know, those are, those are things that are real in my life. Like those are things that truly bring me confidence mm -hmm. and self-love are the things that I've done in those areas. And so now when I walk into a room or I sit at this table or whatever I need to do to, to bring that confidence, I play this highlight reel, mm -hmm. right? Like, wow, I am respected, you know? I, I do have some answers. I do have some experience. I am able to share this message, hopefully, so that other people can understand it. And it seems like that's what the feedback is that we're getting. And so if, if you're one of those two people, right, it's pretty easy to determine what direction you need to go. Like, there's probably, you know, confidence isn't necessarily built off of, so confidence is a kind of a 50-50 builder, right? It's one the stuff you need to add to your life and two, the stuff you need to take out of your life. Right. And that's how we build confidence is by adding good things and taking away bad things, mm -hmm. taking away the bad things is going to be hard at first. Mm -hmm. Adding the good things is going to be hard at first, but eventually it gets to a point where it's a no brainer as far as the way you're going to feel throughout the day. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, that you talk about that because in in your example it's obviously you in both in both situations mm -hmm. um because you know you talked about how that literally was you and, <laughs> and now it's you now but like here's the thing is like i feel like i can go into a room and and be the person i am today right like the carl's jr person is not who you are today but I feel like I can play the highlight reel or I can play the, what is it? The failure the reel. Fa the failure reel, like based on where I am currently in my life. Like right. I have all these wins. I have all these accomplishments. I have all these great things. But I also have, you know, like a list of failures, uh -huh. you know, that that are recent. Sure. You know, and so like... It, and and what what aggravates me, or I don't know if aggravate is the right word, but is that sometimes it's one, and sometimes it's the other. Right. And what seems to make the difference is what did I do that day? That day. That specific day. Right. That is what makes the difference. Right. Like, did I sleep in? Did I did I get up and work out like what did i do upon awakening you know what yep. was my morning like did i just immediately launch into some negative behavior did i immediately just you know start hating on myself or did i sit down and do some meditation some reading some prayer like whatever you know positive thing i have in my life like yeah and depending on how i start my day might determine whether i'm playing the highlight reel were the real failures. Yeah. You know. And, and so I, I really like that. And and to be fair, there's going to be days that that we do everything right according mm -hmm. to what worked yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> our our wake up time, our diet, our sobriety, our relationships, our finances, everything is like dialed in like it was yesterday and the failure reel is just fucking yep. playing on repeat. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's where that that's where that intention and that um that action comes from it, it you know we have to go back and be like all right motherfucker i i see you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you don't get to control me today and and for me that that kind of shuts it down a little bit 
but then it pops back up. And so what you're talking about, as far as I can hear it is progress, right? Like, like we spend less time in the negative, more time in the positive and less time in between those two. Right. And so, so the good actions continue to grow and get, take up more of our time. The negative actions continue to shrink and take up less of our time. And it seems like our lives are more fulfilled in that area. When I walk through confidently, knowing that I am capable of making the next right choice, even though I have an habitual thought pattern of negativity, Mm. you know, Mm. prior to all this stuff, my life was negative all the time. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I have something to compare it to, Mm -hmm. you know, there is progress. Yeah. And it feels so good to have some confidence in yourself to the point where you can just have the faith knowing that if you don't like the way you feel, give it 24 hours. Yeah. And I've said that over and over. So many times. Yeah. Because it's so true. Like it, for, for me, I, I have to remember that. I really, really have to remember that. And, you know, and there is something to be said and, and, you know, like if you're new, if you're a newcomer and you're and you're and you're watching this, like my hat's off to you because this the the one thing that I would have, you know, like back in the day is the 24 hours. Like you said, man, I've got 24 hours sober, which was amazing, you know. And when I got 30 days, it took me two years to get 30 days, yeah. you know. And and when I got 30 days, it was like, oh my god, I got I finally finally like I. You know, I didn't think it was possible. And, you know, and so that momentum builds, right? And, and you know, I want you to recognize if you're new that this is, this is what we're talking about. You know, 24 hours at a time builds into something super incredible that you can really use to change your life, right? But I think the, the important thing for me is when I'm having those days where, you know, like, like you said, everything's on point, everything's dialed in, like... And, and for whatever reason, I'm just super negative or I'm just feeling insecure or, I'm, you know, wh- wh- whatever reason. Like, I can always, always come back to, and I hope I never lose sight of the fact that I'm fucking sober. Yeah. And I never thought that that would be possible. And the fact that I am sober today for, for today, for this 24 hours, is a fucking miracle. Yeah. And, and like, I can always come back to that. And sometimes that's the only win, but it is still a win. Yeah. And so like it, it, like that should be my foundation, right? Like that should always be my foundation. And I'm so grateful for that and, and being able to come to those conclusions because sometimes I get so far removed from it that I forget how big of a deal, how big of a deal it really is. And so, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think that it's important for me to always plant the flag in, hey, man, I'm fucking sober today. Like, I, I, I'm not going to go to bed depressed. I'm not going to go to bed sad. I'm going to go to bed sober. And that's a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, I, ho- I, hope, I, never, I, I hope I never forget the importance of that one thing, mm-hmm. if nothing else, right? The, the battle of sobriety is going well, you know. Right. Battle of not drinking is going well. <clears throat> Could have been different. My, yeah, my problems are completely different now. 
you know, and, and I think that, you know, we're not alone in that, you know, and I think that, that Craig is, is a, is a perfect example of that, mm-hmm. who is our war story today. Right. You know, I think that's, I, I love that. I love that we get to share these stories and, and prove yet again, the similarities that the disease of alcoholism, drug addiction has upon the psyche within each and every one of us. You know, we really are just a common, a common sickness and a common solution, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So what'd you think? Oh, like, it was, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, it was great. I, I actually identified with, with, um, I mean, I identified with his story in a whole, but there were specific parts of it that I really, really, you know, identified with. And, and we'll talk a little bit about it after, mm-hmm. but, but he was, he was great. I really appreciate him sharing his story. And, and I think that I, I know that there, there are going to be people out there that are going to hear his story and go, damn, like, yeah, I can, I can do it. Yeah. And his page is so great. You know, uh, one of the things that, that I read off of his, his page was, was stop trying to be who you think you are supposed to be and just be. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, go, go with your inner self. But I, you know, he can tell a story a lot better than, than either of us can. And I'm excited to share it with you. So what do you say without, uh, without any further ado, here is Craig's war story. Hey everybody, my name's Craig. Um, currently live in Austin. I am an alcoholic. Um, I reside in Austin right now. I grew up, or I started my life in Canada. Actually, I grew up in a small town, a town of about a thousand people. Uh, it's called Wedgeport, Nova Scotia, uh, East Coast, um, east of Maine. Um, so I grew up there. Um, it was. I thought I had a regular childhood. I still do. Um, I had a lot of friends. We did a lot of things outdoors. We played hockey, played baseball in the summers uh, for the short summers that we did have. Um, There's nothing really special about my upbringing. Um, I had, I I, I was really focused into sports and and I think this came into play later um, in my life, but uh, my father and I really practice a lot for sports so that I could just be the best that I could possibly be. Um, and I played a, hot, a, a lot of high level. Um, I played high level hockey, triple A hockey, and I played a lot of baseball growing up. We were always on the road every weekend, every weekend. So I was really brought up to be the best that I can possibly be at all times. Um, and this is something that I think came into play a little later in my life that may have been a little bit of a detriment. Um, to me, but it was a good learning experience. Um, but other than that, childhood was normal. I did end up with some, uh, some heart problems early on around nine years old. I had a pacemaker put in, um, I I was fainting at a really young age and no, nobody knew why. Finally, I I fainted with a 24 hour heart monitor on and the doctors figured out, Hey, you're waking up with your heart rates, not picking up. So you're passing out. So we're going to put a pacemaker. So that was a, an interesting adjustment um, as, as a young boy um, going through all those surgeries. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, I came back to sports and I, I had what a normal childhood even after that. Um, one thing I do know that was tough in, from my childhood um, 
was I, I noticed there was such a switch in me that when I went from elementary school to high school, where I grew up, there wasn't a junior high. So it's elementary to high school. This was really jarring to me because in elementary school, I was a, a pretty popular kid. I was, um, I had friends. I was good at sports. Um, I, I guess I was the jock is what um, other people would may have considered me. Um, but yeah, I, I was popular. I had friends. Um, but when I got to high school, it was just like really jarring. And the one thing that I think was jarring was like everything that I thought was important or was that made me cool was no longer a thing. Everybody was drinking. Um, and I, I really had a hard time with that. And it was like, okay, I needed to make a major adjustment to like, okay, how do I fit in here? Um, and I just felt really uncomfortable and I, I, it was really hard for me to make friends. Um, yeah, there was just such a big switch in my life. But um, nonetheless, that led to me like, okay, everybody's drinking. I'm going to drink. I'm not going to be the, the odd one out. So um, I think I, I was, it was in October. I don't know what year. I was 14 years old. I went to a high school party. Um, I snuck there um, and I drank. Um, I had a half pint of vodka and I thought, I was like, I get it. Uh, as soon as I had like my buzz, I'm like, I, I get alcohol. I know why everyone's doing it. I'm on board. Let's do this. I'm going to be a cool kid and no one's going to stop me. And soon after that, it just started. I was uh, very quickly a weekend drinker. Um, I was found, I could be found at any party on the weekends. I was there drinking. Um, my entire week was spent trying to find like who, who, who can buy my alcohol. That, that was my journey. Um, it, 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 I think about it now and, but I try to think of other people and a lot of other people were doing the same thing and I, it didn't really like, I didn't think I stuck out. Um, but that's just how things were where I grew up. Um, but there were some, <clears throat> sometimes where drinking really uh, showed its signs uh, of being a problem. There was a time where I can remember, especially in high school, it was, okay, like the goal was going to a party to see how much I could drink. I remember going through to in 11th grade, going to a prom party and being like, okay, tonight I'm going to drink a 40 ounce or a vodka and I'm not going to puke. And that was my goal. Like, I don't know that it just doesn't, it seems weird now to think about that. I'm like, well, why was that my goal? What was I going to accomplish with that goal? It's just other than trying to seem cool to other people, um, trying to be the best at drinking. Um, I, I don't know. It was just, it, it seems odd now to think about that. Um, there were other signs of problem drinking. Um, I went out camping with some friends and I, I, I remember I was drinking beer for the first time. And I guzzled a dozen, not knowing what I was doing. And I ended up smoking a cigar and all that went terribly. And I just ended up throwing up everywhere. I couldn't walk. The Rangers had to come get me and call my parents to come get me. There was, um, we used to go to a different town to some parties often, a town called Pubnico. And we, my friend had a pickup truck and there were too many of us to fit in the cab. So a lot of us would just sit in the, in, in the back of the truck, way in the back. And I remember like we were driving on the highway at 60 miles an hour and I was sitting on the roof of the truck and I'm like, 
thinking about that now, it's just like, what was I thinking? Like, why were these okay times to do or okay things to do? Um, then I started getting angry. I, I was, um, every drinking episode involved me mouthing off like to someone. I never got into a fight, but I was um, quite often mouthing off. I could just be, I, I don't know, I was just always pissed off. One time, New Year's Eve, I remember I was in 12th grade. I was, we were at a, at, a, at a party in a hotel, and the hotel went into lockdown because everybody was partying and trashing the place. And I was just not having it, and the cops were called, and I yelled at the cops. And the cops were just like, okay, well, we're going to have to throw you in jail for the night. And that's just like where my mouth would lead me. I was like, I, I, I don't know, police officers didn't scare me, and I was just, I hated everything. So yeah, that was that was uh, what happened in by the end of my twelfth grade high school. That was um, it was really bad. I had to calm down after that. I, I I didn't do anything about my drinking, but I eventually just calmed down. I was like, okay, I can't be like mouthing off like this is getting me in trouble. I remember my mom was like in tears after she picked me up. She was like, what are you doing? I don't know how wh- what how to what to do with you right now. It's just and. I really felt felt that, and I was like, I could see that she was really scared, and I did not like that. So, I eventually calmed down. I went to college um, later on, and during my second year of college, they ended up removing my pacemaker, and um, just because they thought my heart was fine. And I remember after that, like something switched during that year where I think I was like really depressed. I was really, uh, I was full of anxiety. The only time I felt normal was when I was drinking. Um, and so that increased my, um, the amount of alcohol that I drank. Um, and yeah, it, there were just like times where I was just drinking like overly way too much. Like the drinking would go on for, I don't know, I think the first week of college was always the craziest and it was like a, an entire week of just binge drinking. And, but after that, you know, I could hold it together just drinking like Thursdays and then the weekend. Um, but the the momentum towards drinking more and more days a week was growing eventually after college i got my my first job um i was a software engineer um and i got yeah i landed a job and i started partying with some of my friends just on the weekend i was doing really well at my job Um, i got a promotion and i moved over to the head office from nova scotia to new york city which is like now looking at it, it's like going from a town of a thousand to a town of eight million. It's just wow. Okay, what a promotion! This is going to be insane. It's exactly what I wanted with my life. I was just living the fast life, and I was just identifying with that rock and roll lifestyle that I was always in tune with growing up, like heavy metal. And I was just like rock and roll and partying. And I was like, here I was in the big city of the Big Apple, and here I am. Um, but little to my detriment, that would actually, I, I, I would it would take me down eventually. Um, yeah, I, I moved to New York city. I was really lonely. Um, I didn't know how to meet people. The only way how to, how I knew how to meet people was going to the bar. So I frequented a bar, um, in my neighborhood and I became friends with the owners. I became friends with all the other regulars. I met some, met some of the most wonderful people. I'm still friends with them today. Um, so I wouldn't change anything in the world, but that was how I knew how to make friends is just through drinking because sober I was just too anxious and too much I had too much um, social anxiety 
in order to, to, to be able to properly make friends and be okay with myself. Um, but that led to New York City increase uh, my drinking from uh, maybe three times a week to seven. Um, here's where like every day after work, I was at the bar across the street, um, hanging out with me, trying to meet new people and just trying to feel normal. Um, what the, I was just, I, I started having a lot of blackouts. Um, like there's so many nights that I do not remember. There was one night where I remember I was two blocks away from home. That is a 30 second car drive. The owner of the bar told the bartender, you have to drive that guy home. He's too drunk to walk and to get there safe. And, you know, if, if he gets hit by a car, that comes back to us. So they were worried that I, like, I was so drunk that I couldn't even walk home two blocks away and they had to drive me. I think that was um, really, really problematic. Um, but nonetheless, I managed to calm it down later. I ended up getting a girlfriend um, and we started a, we had a, a relationship which was based around alcohol. We went out to eat. Before we went out to eat, we would obviously have some drinks and everything revolved around drinking. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I, I think at, at that point I had like, there was a few years there where I felt like, wow, okay, I think I, I'm good. Um, I feel pretty good. I had saved some money. I wasn't drinking as much and everything just felt like it was falling into place. And then um, soon after, I think she had gotten a job where she worked nights and I, I can pinpoint now where my drinking started increasing. I started having more time to myself and I was just replacing it again with drinking. And I started having anxiety at work and that was really scared me. I was like, I'm drinking too much. How do I handle this? And I would go back and forth um, between drinking too much and not drinking. Um, and eventually I, it caught up with me where I, I had mono and hepatitis A. Um, it, it was a really scary experience for me. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I my pee, it, this might be gross, but my, it, it, these things attack your liver. Um, so my pee was like the color of coffee. Um, I had hair that was falling out. My, my, my skin was yellow. I was really scared. I was like, uh, before I got diagnosed, I'm like, this is my drinking. I'm drinking too much and it's leveling my liver. Um, and now I'm probably going to die. So I really, I was really scared, but thankfully it was, um, mono, um, and hepatitis. I, I tested positive for both, but that kept me sober for three weeks. And after that, I was like, Okay, well, um, I, I don't want to be scared like that about drinking anymore. Um, so I, I'm going to try to, you know, be good with drinking. So anyway, I wrestled with it for a little while. I was okay, then I wasn't. But I had read one of my idols, um, Duff McKagan, had come out with a book. Uh, book. He, he's uh, the basis for Guns N' Roses. They did, had wild times growing up. And they all became sober and, um, during his, in his book. Um, it became my Bible, like everything that he wrote in that book, I remembered and down the line, it came to help me. Um, uh, and, and I'll get into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, so my girlfriend at the time started working nights. I, my, my drinking was increasing. Um, I was still after, after getting, getting over mono, you know, I quickly went back to drinking. Everything was fine. Had some anxiety. I remember one time I decided to drink during the day on a Saturday 
And that kind of changed things too, because it, it began some day drinking. Um, and then, so that started the day drinking. Then I went to work with a lot of anxiety and I was like, well, for lunch, why don't I just go have a drink? And then I realized that, oh, wow, that's my, my anxiety is cured. I can actually work. I did amazing. Um, I got promoted and that was, I, I did that for quite some time. Um, but yeah, that, that eventually you can't do that forever. Um, and eventually I, we did get married. Um, it didn't last long. Um, it lasted for, I think we were married for two years, but my alcoholism just kind of took, took the best of me and took everything down. And, and I think even based on like our relationship was based around alcohol, I think it, it's best that we probably separated past because she did not have the problem that I had. And um, that's all good. Um, here we are today. We're sober and living an amazing life. Um, but back to New York City, um, eventually I ended up losing my job. Um, I was I was laid off. I wasn't fired. Um, there were some days where I probably showed up to the office having drank too much. Um, but I, I didn't, for me, it was just, oh, well, I'm, I'm only having a couple of drinks to cure some anxiety. I'm not doing anything terrible. But um, I was laid off. I was part of a, a huge layoff of the company. Um, after that happened, I realized, you know, um, I have a, they gave me severance, first of all. Um, but it really scared me because I'm like, what am I going to do now? I, I have a drinking problem. I can't stop drinking. Um, and yeah, I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. So what I did was I started every day at the bar and I took interviews from there. I was my office and I stayed there from start to finish from bar open to bar closed. That was my day. I was just there. Um, and eventually I did land a job. I landed one in Austin, Texas, and that's why I'm here right now. I landed um, a job from a, a friend that I, I had worked with. Um, he had an open spot. Um, I, yeah, I, I got the job easily. I took the interview over Zoom. Um, I had a glass of wine while in a mug um, while I was taking that interview. Um, and yeah, eventually I did get it though. And I moved to Austin and, um, some things changed, but, um, I managed to have some sobriety during the day, um, for, for quite some time when I first got to Austin for maybe a few months, but then eventually my day drinking came back and so did my anxiety and so did my depression. Eventually I moved here with my ex-wife and eventually I broke down and, yeah, I was like, I, I, I was so full of anxiety and so depressed. I was crying here and there. It was just like start with fits of crying and just out of nowhere. And so, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I checked myself into a detox facility. Um, and that was my, my first like, real experience into getting help. Um, I was, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I needed help. Um, I wish I would have done it earlier, but I think everybody says that um, after they get sober and they realize how what they were missing out on. Um, I spent the next year after I got out of detox um, kind of battling, getting on and off the horse. I would quit drinking um, and then I would, uh, you know, I would spend maybe two, three weeks not drinking. Then I would be, then my head would get into me. Okay, you're good. You're good this time. We can get a drink. We can easily do it this time. And then 
before you know it, I would fall off the horse and I would need to go to emergency, an urgent care facility in order to get Librium or some sort of benzo in order to deal with the shakes or the withdrawal effects so that I could get sober again. And then at one point, I, I did that so much during the year that the urgent care, I walked in and they were like, oh, I know what you want. And I, that right there was enough to be like, wow, the receptionists at urgent cares know that I'm here to get benzos because my alcohol withdrawal is too bad. And I, I think that was just an eye opener. And that year, that's when my wife uh, eventually left me. And after she did that, um, I went to detox again. And that was almost my last time drinking um, I, I spent, I did AA after that. Um, I got a sponsor. I did the 12 steps. It worked for, I, it really did work for me. It was what I needed at the time. Um, it was a place for me to go. I felt like I fit in. Um, I didn't know where else to go, how else to get help. Um, now being online, there's so many places where you can get help and so many places you can turn outside of AA. But it is a, still a great avenue if people are spiritual and you feel like that's something you can do. It can definitely work for you. Um, for me, it didn't last. It, I think I went there for four months. And uh, eventually I, I fell off the wagon again um, for a week. Um, and then I wasn't having it. I was thinking, you know, I, I, I was a weekend. I was already having the shakes waking up. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. And after a week, I was like, that's it. I'm not drinking anymore. I then, after a week of drinking, um, January 8th was my last, my first day of sobriety of 2018. And it is currently my date of sobriety. Um, and we're going on three years. We just passed a thousand days. I'm feeling great. Um, the, the next two, a year and a half was really hard because what I discovered was that I am really, really, empty inside and I, I I was just purposeless um, people have a purposeful life I did not have that I, I, I didn't know what I was doing why I was here on this planet um, and I really needed to do some soul searching I needed to shed some baggage off of my shoulders I did a lot of therapy um, I even did, I went through the psychedelics. Um, I tried mushrooms. I did an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, and yeah, I think those were also great experiences. Um, I, I don't think doing psychedelics is something that everybody should do, like just to do them um, for fun. It was definitely something I was doing medicinal. Um, it was led by a shaman. Um, but yeah, it was actually a really enlightening experience. And um, now I, I, you know, I think at the beginning of this year became, we started with COVID and I was, we were getting in lockdown and I was out on a run and it's, I, I just had a sudden thought that, you know, you have a story. You, your name is Craig. You are now sober for three years. This is something that should be shared. Um, and out of that, I created what's called Mind Uncaged now. It's just it's an Instagram. Um, I have an Instagram feed. Um, I also have a website and I do, uh, I do recovery coaching now. Um, I coach people on becoming sober um, and I inspire people to get sober. I, I, 
I don't care how people get sober. If you're struggling right now, I don't, you, you can go, please do um, set up a consultation on mindoncage.com and I will, I'm happy to help you. But if you have other avenues that you want to try, go do it. Just don't, just don't not do it. You need to get help. You do it now. And that's the message I want to share. And um, sobriety is an amazing, an amazing, amazing gift. I can't say enough about it. There's, I learned so much about myself. Um, and without it, I wouldn't know myself. I wouldn't know who I am. I, I would just be an empty person with an empty soul with no message. But today I am thankful that I do have that and I can share that with you. So with that, thank you and good luck to everybody. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I can definitely identify with feeling purposeless. Oh, purposeless. Man. Yeah, I, I, I just felt like I was just, just there. Yeah, you know what a great delivery. Thank you, bro. Thanks yeah. for sharing your story, man. That was great. <laughs> There's so much that I can identify with, man, and it was so much fun talking to him and and you know being uh, present during during the recording because uh, just high school, college work, all all the things, you know, so. What'd you think? Oh man, like I, like the, the the biggest piece that I identified with in his story, like when he, when he started going into his transition from elementary to high school, I was like, oh, yeah, that was me, man. Like that was totally me. Like I just didn't know. Like I always, I always felt confident, and then I got into high school, and I just didn't know. I didn't know anything. Yeah, you know, and and for me, it was junior high, but. But it, I, I was just in a whole new world and just felt completely lost. And, and there was so much, so many things that happened in junior high that really sort of just, you know, traumatized me in a really weird way, mm-hmm. you know, and just shaped me for, you know, all these different moments in my life. And, and he definitely started drinking a lot younger than I did. Yeah. But it felt like it was for all the same reasons, you know, like he's, he was doing it to be confident to to get rid of anxiety and i remember that dude i remember like you know knowing that if i take a little shot if i take if i drink a beer i'm gonna feel a little bit better about you know this or 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 feel comfortable in my own skin for once yeah so i yeah and like building confidence off of the amounts you know like i I remember that big time Mm -hmm. you know that whole yeah, we're gonna we're gonna polish off the entire keg. No, nobody nobody leaves until everything's gone. Well, because that was the activity. Yeah, like it wasn't and like we were drinking. The and, insanity of it. Yeah, yeah. Fucking babies too, just oh, so man. young. High school is so young, and it didn't it didn't seem like it then, but it was, you know. And and having intoxicated, driven goals. Right. You know, like yeah. the insanity was there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why, that's why when I heard that guy share one time that, that the invisible line of alcoholism is going from bragging about how much I was drinking and using to lying about how much I was drinking and right. using, you know, and he definitely crossed that line, mm-hmm. you know, and, to, and getting, you know, going, going through everything and then doing it all with a pacemaker right. at such a young age, you yeah. know. And, and just looking for validation through being the party guy and, yep. and all those things and, and to 
New York City, going into New York and turning from, you know, drinking three or four days a week to seven days a week. And then- yeah, like hearing that whole process like evolve, like reminds me, you know, he talked about like the first time he got drunk during the day on Saturday. And then it was like from that point forward, it was like, well, maybe I'll just have one on lunch. And, and then he realized that, you know, it was making work easier. And it's like, oh, yep. Yep. I remember that. Like, you know, and, and I can't tell you the specific moment that I decided it was okay to, to, you know, have a, a beer at lunch. But at some point I, I crossed that line. I justified it and it all became a part of my routine. Yeah. That went well. Yeah. Guess I'll have another beer Guess today I'll for lunch. It. And then it was like a must, right? Like then it was like, I am implementing <laughs> I whatever is necessary in order for me to have that drink at lunch. Yeah. You know, like, then it, yeah, and so it, it yeah, I, I identified with a lot of his story, dude. It was great, yeah. it was so great. And and the the illusion that eventually the alcohol is going to somehow make my nerve like like I need this for my nerves, and mm-hmm. then that turned into you know going to the doctor for benzos, and and you know that turned into what we call that moment of incomprehensible demoralization where you can no longer hide it from the world. Like he shared exactly about that. Everybody fucking knew what was going on. Right. right. Well, and that was because, you know, he kept trying to get sober. He, he kept trying to like have these moments. He would have these brief periods of sobriety mm-hmm. and then, you know, but he always needed those benzos to help him sober up. And so he's going to urgent care to get benzos and then they start trying to get sober again, huh, yeah, buddy? It's like cheers, you know, like, yeah. hey, hey, Craig. Greg, you're back <laughs> here. We got what you need, buddy. And yeah. and yeah, he had that. He had that moment that we all that we all have. Hopefully. You know? yeah. yeah. You know, that was a that was a game changer for me, you know, and, and, and getting sick at the point and and what a it's weird that those those kind of turn into sometimes you know blessings in disguises where he thought that he was just that fucked up mm-hmm. from the alcohol it turned out that it wasn't just the alcohol probably had a lot to do with it but right. that was enough to scare him and and he didn't want to be afraid from the drinking anymore mm-hmm. and and fear is such a great motivator right and especially when death is staring us in the face uh and the realization that well, fuck, we might only have one life. Right. One. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great motivator for me. Yeah. You know, I don't want to waste this one life mm-hmm. at all. You know, and so he started uh, Mind Uncaged, which is a great Instagram. You know, he has great stuff on there. That that thing I read before his story came off of his Instagram, and just a great dude, super cool guy. You know. Uh, yeah, so grateful for these shares. Yeah, like I, I, I think that it all like it takes us, you know, getting to a place spiritually where we're just okay with being. You yeah, know? and and allowing ourselves to just be fully present wherever we're at. We talked a little bit about this, you know, during the break, but you know, really, sort of just being like I really like that that came off of his Instagram because. You know, that was one of the biggest things for me. And I think he had to go to a place spiritually. And and, and in his story, you know, he ended up um, um, experimenting or not experimenting, but 
he he did an ayahuasca ceremony yeah, psychedelics that really you know sort of opened his eyes spiritually and and i think took him to a place where he recognized you know just mm-hmm. the insanity of of what what was happening and i think that you know like we can all get to that place through various means it doesn't always have to be hallucinogens but you know like for me personally, like I read a book that sort of launched me into that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that really allowed me to, to get out of myself and to be fully present and spiritual and just recognize, you know, the beauty of, of the here and now. Yeah. What book was it? Uh, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good book. Great book. You know, and, and, and I know, I know that, you know, some of this stuff can be a little bit controversial, but for, for me, there's no one pathway. It's, it's, you know, we have stories of people that have, you know, been on methadone and Suboxone and, you know, now ayahuasca, um, you know, try different, different pathways and they're sober now. Right. You know, and that's, what's so important about all these different methods. You know, I certainly tried several ways sure. to get sober you know, until one finally stuck. And I'm so grateful for the way that it happened, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm so grateful for the way that it happened for him and so many other people, because it's such a beautiful, just plethora of, it's like a, like a, this beautiful, uh, art piece of artwork that, that brings us all together with our similarities and our pain and our growth and our successes. And we're able to identify with one another and for me, that's definitely a confidence builder that I'm not alone. Right. And, and knowing that I'm not alone helps me be more confident in this world, knowing that there are people like Craig and yourself, Jordan, you know, um, all the other people that we've had on the show, the people that are coming on the show, all of the viewers, thank you so much for, for watching. That gives me confidence to know that, that if I need help, that I can still get it, that people still understand mm-hmm. that... I don't do this thing perfectly. I never will, never want to, always wanting to grow. But um, this stuff helps me in, in all that. So, you know, thank you for sharing your story. I yeah. got a ton out of it. Thank you, Craig. So great. That was great. Yeah. So great. Well, are you feeling confident? Well, I'm feeling confident that other people may want to share their stories with us. So if you do want to share your story with us, you can contact us on the other side of hell at, uh, on Instagram at the other side of hell 101 on Facebook, the other side of hell 101. You can email us at the other side of hell at Gmail, you know, message us if you want to be featured on the show. We'd love to have you on. You know, yeah, you got all share, those right. Share your story like Craig did and so many others. Um, you know, the way you can support the show is by letting people know that we're out here. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Leave us a five star or one star. Or, or follow us or yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, let us know we're not alone. Thank you for all the support for sure. Yeah. You guys are great. Yeah. Yeah. We love we love everybody that, that, that watches the show. And we love some people that don't. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't <laughs> watch the show that we love. So. Yeah, feeling pretty confident that we'll be able to go out into the world and be successful the rest of the day, and you know at least get another twenty-four under my belt. So. Oh hell yeah! Uh, uh, great way to end it. Thanks for coming out, Cameron Jordan. Thanks for everything you do back there, Pam. And with that, I will see you. We will see you on the other side. And we are worth the work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.